there, Saving Delaware listeners. We're back this week with me as your host and past podcast guest, Cynthia Snyder, as our historian of the week. We'll be talking about a uh, current exhibit at the Newcastle County Courthouse Museum that relates to much of the content previously covered on this podcast. This exhibit is called the Three Forts, One Community Exhibit. Do you mind if we start by asking what inspired this exhibit? The stories of the many people who settled in this area is rarely told and is so important to the development of the Delaware Valley area. The colonization of the Dutch, the Swedes and the English here was the beginning of our town. But we wanted to show the connections between these groups of people. So we used the establishments of the fort as that connector. The forts of the Dutch, Swedes and the English were the military authority governing the colonists. But even as a military authority was ousted and another took its place, the people of these three nations stayed, gave their allegiance to whomever had control at the time, and the people blended their cultures and created a town that would eventually become Newcastle. What is the actual display in the museum like? What sort of artifacts and facts does it have? The exhibit consists of panels with text, maps, and images for each of the European nations and panels on the Lenny Lenape tribe who were the original inhabitants of the land. We also include objects and artifacts from the time period for each of the nations. Some are original to the site and some are period examples of items that would have been used here by the colonists. We also have reproductions that visitors may handle. For example, in the Lenny uh, Lenape section, we have real animal skins, a beaver, deer, coyote, that visitors can examine, and a reproduction addle-addle that visitors can pick up. Each section has a life-size museum figure of the military leader in charge of the fort. Peter Stuyvesant for the Dutch Fort Casimir, Sven Scoot for the Swedish Fort Trinity, and Sir Robert Carr for the English Fort, New, Fort Newcastle. We tell the stories of these men and their actions to keep control of the area. We talk about what life was like for the colonists, how they lived, their housing, farming, items they may have had in their homes, We have both period items and reproduction items that visitors can handle. We have dioramas of Fort Casimir and Fort Newcastle. And we also have on display artifacts found in the excavation of Fort Casimir, both military and domestic objects. So I was reading online that the original opening of the exhibit included colonial themed activities. What does that really mean? Visitors can engage in activities like trying to put together a log cabin, domestic activities like churning butter or uh, packing a traveling trunk of necessities that you would have to take to the new world and how to use the native addle-addle to hunt for food. Are activities like these always included at museum exhibit openings? Yes. Yes, they are. Why was the exhibit hosted at the Newcastle Courthouse Museum? The colonization of the Dutch, Swedes, and English are part of the interpretive program already at the courthouse. 
And to have this very appealing visual and object-oriented exhibit is an important interpretive part of our program. Now on to perhaps the most obvious question, which were the three forts? Yeah, Fort Casimir's Dutch, same fort was named Fort Trinity under the Swedes, but Fort Newcastle was an entirely brand new fort at a different location. The site of Fort Casimir is two blocks north of the courthouse by the Delaware River shoreline. There is a plaque and a wayside display of what the fort looked like and photos of some of the artifacts from the fort. These same ones can be seen at the courthouse too. Fort Newcastle's site is located on the historic green. Archaeological and written records suggest it is partly under a manual church and cemetery and extending onto the green. Some artifacts have been found on the site, but by this time it's unlikely to find the fort itself as the area has been dug up and built upon since 1772. The Dutch, led by Director General Peter Stuyvesant, built Fort Casimir in 1651. By 1654, the Swedes, led by Lieutenant Sven Scoot, captured the fort and renamed it Fort Trinity. With him, he brought Swedish settlers to establish, a, to establish farming communities. Briefly, in 1656, the Dutch regained the fort again but lost it, this time to the English, who will now have complete control of the formerly owned lands of the Dutch and the Swedes. The Dutch, Swedes, and the English had different reasons why they wanted to colonize the eastern part of America. The Dutch were profit-oriented. They saw America as a land with abundant resources like beaver skins and timber. They wanted to ship these resources back to Netherlands for sale and for profit. But the Swedes came to America to colonize the land and under Queen Christina, extend the Swedish crown's ownership of land and resources to the new world. The English controlled the Northeast and the South of uh, the American uh, area. They wanted to control the entire eastern seaboard and consolidate their land holdings. And they also wanted to, to colonize the land and use the resources too. So they were the ones to finally have control and keep it. So you mentioned that one of them was located just two blocks away from the Courthouse Museum. Where are the others within Delaware? The only other forts found were in Southern Delaware and Sussex County. And there was a Dutch fort there at Zwanendale. But that was, just, that was in 1660s, but that was destroyed by a, a, a group of raiding Nanakote Indians and the entire uh, fort and the people within were destroyed. And the fort was not rebuilt. So other than that, these were the only forts that we had here in Delaware. And why do you say that even though there were three forts and they sort of were trying to merge their opposite ambitions, 
Why do you say that they formed one community? Well, the settlers, whether they were Dutch, Swede, or English, they stayed on their properties when the areas changed hands because most people had been here for several generations. They had prospered and they sat down their roots. There, uh, they had more to lose by leaving. So they accepted and gave allegiance to whomever was in control at the time. These settlers all depended on each other for their survival. They intermarried, they had children, and they became one community. What's the difference between a settlement and a fort, per se? A fort basically is a military installation. It will be stacked with soldiers, and it's, it'll be used mainly to control the area. Uh, they may have some settlers, uh, other people that are non-military in the fort too, but eventually what happens with these forts, if they're there long enough, that the military will stay, the personnel will stay within the fort, and the people that come to settle will settle, uh, will build their homes and their farms out outside of the fort surrounding it. And of course, as more people come, it will continue to grow and grow. So you can think of the community as civilians, uh, farmers, uh, tradesmen, um, skilled artisans, where in the fort itself, it's going to be soldiers and support people connected with, with that, with military. What are the different sort of artifacts that a settlement or a fort would leave behind? All kinds of artifacts have been found, uh, both military and domestic. Uh, right now, we have had a lot of excavations at the site of Fort Casimir. They have found military-wise, they have found cannonballs, they have uh, gunshot, they have found grenades that were used by uh, the Dutch and, and or the English at that time. The material culture that is found that is domestic, they have found pieces of bottles and different kinds of ceramic ware. They have found a glassware, shards. Uh, some, some are in shards. Some they've gotten very nice full pieces of items that they can put back together. They have found what was cups and cook pots. Anything that was of metal may survive to some extent a little better than other materials. And they also found pipes and pipe stems. So from these things, and especially the type of they are, and if they're marked in the sense of pipe stems, they are able to discern what, type, what time and period they were. So you mentioned some of these have been found at Fort Casimir, which is something we've talked about in an earlier episode. Where was the discovery of Fort Casimir? Okay, we knew from written, written records that Fort Casimir was on the Delaware River shoreline where the town of Newcastle is today. And there have been excavations there uh, throughout 20th century in uh, the 1970s, there was an excavation there by Height Associates, and they found 
what they believed was the site of Fort Casimir. They did find some artifacts. Later on, more extensive archeological examinations have been done. And with their excavations, they have actually found the palisade markings, which would be the outer wall of the fort. They have found those. They also have found the gateway into the fort. And what they can do with these different measurements of, of the sides of the fort is they can put together how big the fort really is and its orientation towards the river. So what they have done is with these later uh, excavations, they have shown that the fort is where they originally thought it was. It's basically at the corner of Harmony and uh, uh, 2nd Street in Newcastle. Some of it is on grassy land going towards the river. Some of it, uh, the houses on 2nd Street are actually built on top of the fort. Some of it going out into the street. But the areas where they can uh, investigate, they have found different types of, of artifacts there when they go down far enough, both uh, military and domestic. And hopefully there'll be more excavations there and they'll find more of the fort and who knows what else they'll find. Historically speaking, what would you say is the major significance of that discovery? We're looking back into the uh, middle 1600s of what was happening here in this area. And we are looking at the different nations that came here to colonize and their interactions with the people that were already here, the Lenape. And one of the important things is how these people had to depend upon one another, even though they were from different nations, possibly different religions and very different cultures in some cases. They all had to learn how to get together, live together, and depend on each other to survive. And it, began, it did become a blending of cultures in some degree. But the finding of Fort Casimir is also important because it is one of the very few Dutch fort sites still existing. There is much to discover and learn about these early forts. And it is believed that it also may be the first actual battleground in the United States. Artifacts found there give us more information on the people who live there and how they live their lives. What has been found at the Fort Casimir site? So far, militarily, so far they have found gunshot, cannonballs, grenades, metal pieces that might be used for the fort itself. And then uh, domestic items they have found have been cooking pots or um, bottles, uh, jars, glassware, sometimes small pieces, shards, but then there have been also significant pieces that they have found 
and pieces that are all together that could be glued back together so that you could tell what the item was. Um, they have found different types of ceramic there, all different kinds. They also have found pipe stems. And one of the things with uh, the pipe bowls and stems is that they are marked by who the maker was. And so they're able to look at that and determine the exact date of what was happening there at the time. What else can we found on site of the dig site, if you will, archaeological site? Well, right now there is no excavation or examination going on. So when you go there right now, you'll come to a, uh, just a grassy area. But on there, there will be a state plaque saying this is the site of Fort Casimir. But you'll also have what is called a wayside. And it will be a rectangular, like a plaque, but more of a guide that shows you what the port may have looked like and its sizes. And also it'll have photographs of some of the excavation work that was being done at the time with the, the archaeologists there doing it. And also uh, some of the artifacts they pulled out of the ground. As you said, there were a lot of different religions and communities trying to live in this space in Delaware. What was it about Delaware that got everyone to come here and try and stay and make it work? Delaware... Delaware, the Delaware Valley area, extending into Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and then Delaware itself. We were a very uninhabited area, except for the Lenny Lenape. And it had not been claimed by the English yet. And so the uh, governments in the Netherlands and Queen Christina in Sweden automatically claimed the land and they sent settlers and or soldiers there to keep keep control of it and they sent them here because it was good land it had a lot of resources and they thought that this would be the best place for them to claim without having a lot of confrontation from other nations but that didn't work the Swedes and the Dutch and, and the English were always in contention and battling each other for the land. The Dutch primarily wanted to come here to get the resources and take back to the Netherlands. There was some colonization, yes, but their major, major reason was profit. Take the resources from America, take them back to the Netherlands, and sell them and make a profit for themselves. The Swedes, on the other hand, came here looking for a place to extend the borders of Sweden, and this became the new Sweden area. And they sent families here to colonize the land, to grow farming communities, to, they planned to stay here. Now, yes, they used the resources too, and some of the resources they did send back to Sweden, but they weren't really here looking to make a profit. They were looking here to grow a new community. The English, they were here for both. They also wanted the resources America had, but they also wanted to colonize America because that would be adding to their empire too. 
So they did have the north, northeast area. They did have in the south. So this middle area, if they could get control of that, that would consolidate their holdings and they would have the entire eastern seaboard. And that's what they did eventually. So as you're kind of getting into what happened inevitably to these forts, how did each of the three forts sort of die out to the point where they're no longer standing today? Well, Fort Casimir was built in 1651. And when the Swedes took it over, they named it Fort Trinity. And it was in pretty bad condition. And the Swedes did a lot of uh, restoration work, rehabilitation work on it. And they kept it until the English came in. By that time in 1672, the fort was in terrible, terrible condition and really could not be repaired. So they decided to build a new fort, the English did. And they built it on the end of the green. Uh, The church was not there at the time. So that was just green area. And uh, that's where they built it. That fort stayed into the early 1700s. And then that was demolished too. I, I think it's really fascinating that now in this day and age, you can still walk the streets the area where these people lived and died in the 1600s. And you see the effects of the decisions they made then still are present in the town of today. So it's a great historical picture. You mean like the streets that they designed and all the buildings, some of the buildings? The the streets that they designed and how the town is laid out still exist in the same form as it did uh, with these early settlers. Thank you so much uh, for meeting with me. Okay, it was great. Thank you. And that's all for this episode of the Saving Delaware History Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.